My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Continuing on in Galatians, um, love this book, love this study, uh, love, you know, uh, Paul and his um, just boldness for the gospel. And uh, I really have loved uh, kind of learning about this book and getting into this book. And uh, if you guys have noticed, we haven't gotten very far because there's so much in this very beginning instance here, but it's fixing to take off. And, uh, and then we're going to find ourselves in chapter two. So um, it's going to be awesome. I look forward to seeing the rest of this and, uh, and seeing where we go. But today we're going to talk about uh, a word that makes many people uncomfortable. All right. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, it's a word that makes many people uncomfortable. In fact, for some, it will make you start sweating even just hearing the word itself. Um, but it's something that we have to talk about. Uh, it's a word that is very much a part of our lives, whether we like it or not. And this word is confrontation. Confrontation, right? I know it is a word though. Some of you feel like I'm being confrontational just mentioning the word confrontation. Um, but, uh, but it's just a part of life. Confrontation is a part of life. And so uh, we're going to look at this as Paul is very confrontational uh, in this moment. So we need to look at this. We need to be like, Paul, is this okay? Like, is it, what do we, what do we grab from you being so confrontational? All right. Uh, the definition of confrontation is a hostile or argumentative meeting or situation between opposing parties. That is the definition of confrontation. Now, confrontation doesn't have to be that extreme uh, because that makes it sound really, really bad. Sometimes confrontation doesn't have to lead to a hostile situation, right? Um, it doesn't have to be argumentative, but it usually does involve two opposing sides uh, for the confrontation. And it was so funny because when I looked up the word, uh, it gives you like synonyms for confrontation, like diff different, you know, similar words that you can use for confrontation. And uh, so a couple of similar words are conflict, uh, clash, brush, fight, battle, contest, encounter. And then randomly at the top of the list was also this one, which caught my attention. And I have to share it with you. High noon. Yeah, like a duel. That was a part of the things. I was like, wow, these words are high noon. I was like, what is high noon? Like, I guess that's a good picture, you know, few people facing off. Like, that's a confrontation for sure. Uh, so, yeah. Now, um, I understand there's different levels of anxiety when it comes to confrontation. Uh, and it also depends on the confrontation itself uh, because we can confront many things. The first thing that we can confront is our fears. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person. Uh, it can be our fears. I personally am afraid of heights. I can't stand them. I don't like it. Uh, whenever we go and we like go to the Empire State Building or when we go to the top of the rock or uh, and I'm going to and whenever we go to the edge, I don't know if you guys have seen the edge, but I want to go to the edge and uh, and that's going to be scary. And, I, and, and anytime I get close to the edge, I am scared, but I'm even scared when other people get close to the edge. I like start this anxious feeling inside of me happens, but I, it's something that I have to confront. I have to confront my fear of heights. And uh, I'm so glad that every once in a while I do that because you, it can be exhilarating 
uh, whenever you, first of all, you see these heights, you know, and you get to see everything around. The view is beautiful from the Empire State Building and the top of the rock. Uh, but also, um, whenever I was uh, at Six Flags, have you guys ever heard of Six Flags before? Theme Park Six Flags? Okay. I don't ever know what's up here and what's not. So, um, but anyways. So, oh, they have one in New Jersey. That's right. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. My people. Uh, so Six Flags, like there's this thing that they have that is a, a slingshot type thing. Well, it's more of like a bungee drop type thing. So it's, anyways, somebody said one time, I will pay for it if you will do it. And so I'm like, free stuff. Like I don't give up free stuff very often. So, uh, you know, I'm watching these people. What it does is they put you in tandem. Okay. And then they start to like, like lift you up higher and higher and higher and higher. And then all of a sudden you're like stories and stories above everything. And all you are is like laying on a bed sheet basically is what it feels like. And, uh, and you're not really sure what all is holding you there. Um, but there is a button that they, they tell you to push, uh, to release yourself. Now, you have to be on that side. I, for some reason, was on that side. Uh, and so here I am, high above everything. And, uh, and you know, then they, like, there's the guy on the PA up top, and he's like, we're going to count you down. Well, they, when you hit zero, you don't want to be the person that doesn't go. You know what I'm saying? Like, that person's shameful, all right? Everybody makes per fun of that person that's up there. So, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm so scared. But he, they said, five, four, three, two, one. And then I hit the lever or whatever and it didn't go. Have you ever felt, I, that is the worst feeling ever, because then you're like, is it broken? What do we do? Like, did they let us down? What a, and then, and I'm like playing with it, and then all of a sudden, boom, and then we start going, I'm like, ah! I know I'm screaming, I know things are crazy, but I'm so glad that I confronted that fear because it was one of the funnest things I've ever done, right? I don't know if I'll do it again, but it was fun in that moment, um, and I loved it. Uh, but sometimes we, we have to confront our fear. Some of you guys have a fear of confrontation. <laughs> and so to confront your fear of confrontation, you have to get in a confrontational moment, right? It's not fun. Sometimes that's your fear. Sometimes um, we need to confront our own mistakes, right? Sometimes those are things that we have to confront. And those are hard because it means laying down your pride. And really confronting your own mis mistakes is a confrontation with yourself, um, and that's sometimes really, really hard to do. Uh, but then there are confrontations between people. And, uh, and sometimes those things are necessary. And that absolutely rocks some people's worlds. Uh, raise your hand if you're a person in here that is not about the confrontation life. Yeah? Not about it. Okay. Totally understandable. Um, you're like, hey, that's cool. And uh, I mean, I'm sure maybe you would do it if you needed to, but you know, it's not something you go looking for, right? Um, those are the people uh, who are at the football games, and uh, they really don't pick a side to win um, because that's confrontational. Um, in fact, they make a t-shirt for you, and it just says, I hope both sides have fun, right? And that's the t-shirt that you wear. Uh, then on the other hand, there are people who thrive on confrontation. Uh, that's a little weird. Um, if you thrive on, I'm okay. it's cool with like being cool with confrontation, but if you're like, I just look for it everywhere I go, nobody wants to hang out with you. <laughs> like That's not the per. How many friends do you have? <laughs> That's just a question I want to ask, all right? Um, but those are the people, seriously, those are the people that get blocked on social media and, uh, and you know, it's just what it is. Um, but personally, I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't mind uh, confrontation so much, but I don't seek out confrontation. Um, but if it, if it needs to happen, um, I don't usually have a problem with it. Uh, but I will say this, though. Sometimes engaging in confrontation is the wrong thing to do. But also, avoiding confrontation can be the wrong thing to do as well. 
And that's something that we're going to talk about in depth today. There is harmful confrontation and there is helpful confrontation. Okay. Harmful confrontation is motivated by pride and greed or some other fleshly desire. That is what harmful confrontation is motivated by. Some abuse confrontation to get the upper hand. Uh, the greatest example I can think of are those on uh, social media who just want to fight um, and they just want to do it because that is that makes them feel smart. It makes them feel better uh, putting other people down. Uh, it's also a, a, you know, a word that is used a lot today is bully. Um, that is that defines a bully as somebody who just wants to take advantage of other people uh, by being confrontational. And so they want to uh, be as um, I don't know, they just want to uh, they just want to scare you. They want they want to they want to have the upper hand. And so they'll do whatever they have to do to intimidate you uh, into a situation. And some people use confrontation in that way. Uh, but then there's helpful confrontation as well. Uh, and helpful confrontation is motivated by love and passion for the betterment of someone. That is what helpful confrontation is motivated by, love and passion for people. Avoiding confrontation may seem like a good thing, but sometimes avoiding it causes more damage than confronting it. All right, I've had many not fun conversations with people who uh, I see going down a wrong path. Um, just so that I can maybe try to help them uh, go back onto the right path so that there's not more damage done uh, than, um, than good. And sometimes avoiding uh, confrontation is not good in that moment. I've seen churches split because the pastor was afraid to deal with things uh, because of, of confrontation. Um, they don't want to rock the boat, so to say. Uh, they, don't want, uh, they want people to like them, and so they don't want to deal with confrontation and things just fester. And, uh, and so whenever things just do that, then um, things can, can boil over, and then all of a sudden you have a bigger problem with when if the pastor would have just dealt with the confrontation in the moment, all these things could have been avoided. So there are moments where it's the right thing to do, and there are moments when avoiding it is the wrong thing to do. Uh, but it all boils down to who you want to please. Um, before you enter into any confrontation, ask yourself this question. Who am I trying to please with this? All right. Ask yourself that question. Um, sometimes confrontation is to please yourself. You want to have the upper hand and you want to feel superior. Uh, and so you get into a confrontational argument or whatever uh, because you just want to lord it over people. Uh, these are the people who like to point out sin, but they don't like sin to be pointed out in them necessarily. And Jesus had words for those type of people in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, whenever he was talking to the Pharisees who really liked to go after people and say, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, I'm just holding you accountable, right? And that's what they say. But what does Jesus say to them? He's saying, hey, you're so worried about the speck of sawdust in their eye, what you need to worry about is the plank in your own eye. And so sometimes uh, people, they just want to be confrontational because it makes them feel better. It makes them feel superior. It makes them feel more spiritual whenever, if you want to put it in the context of a church. Uh, but that is not what we are called to do because you are to ask yourself, who am I trying to please here? In that moment, if you're just a person that's trying to around confronting everybody about stuff, you're just trying to please yourself, honestly. You're trying to make yourself look good. And Jesus has some words for you. Hey, why don't you first worry about what's going on with yourself? Then when you're coming from a place of love and humility, then maybe you can confront some other people. 
sometimes not engaging in confrontation is because you want to please others. You'd rather things just be uh, peaceful. Um, and so you don't necessarily want to engage in uh, confrontation. And so what you're trying to do is you're trying to please other people. I don't want them to not like me. I don't want there to be a rift between us. Um, I don't want to cause that person uh, to feel bad about themselves. And so I'm just going to avoid the confrontation in general. Uh, but that's not healthy. And that's not actually loving at all. Uh, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is confront a brother or sister about their sin because um, it can lead to them avoiding an entire future down a wrong path. And so sometimes we're called to do that. All right. Uh, but one thing we always should be mindful of asking is, will this please God? Um, will this confrontation that I feel like I'm supposed to get into, is it fleshly? Is it spiritual? Like, is it godly? I don't know. Let's ask, who's it going to please? Is it going to please me? Is it going to please others? Or is it going to please God? If it's going to please God, then I would say, by all means, you probably need to go ahead and do that. So Paul finds himself confronting several people in this letter. Number one, uh, he's confronting the Galatians about their sin. Um, and then, uh, and it's out of his love for them and out of his love for God. And number two, he's confronting false teachers in this section of scripture today. Uh, the Judaizer, Judaizers out of his love for the Galatians and his love for God. Um, he very much knows who's going to be reading this letter. He's writing it to the church in Galatia. So he knows that those Galatians are going to be reading this letter. Uh, but he also knows that means that the false teachers are going to be reading this letter as well because they're just as much a part of the church. So don't think Paul's just talking bad about somebody behind their backs and saying something bad about someone behind their backs. He very much knows that these people are going to read this. And, uh, and so he gets right into it. So uh, Galatians chapter 1, we're going to read verse 6 through 10. Uh, 6 we talked about last week a little bit, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, but uh, we're going to hit on this point of confrontation. So this is Paul uh, speaking to them, and this is what he says in verse 6. He says, if you guys remember, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Uh, so first off, he confronts the believers. Um, and that's a really kind of tough thing to do sometimes. Tamara and I, uh, whenever we were at our last church, um, we uh, inherited a ministry uh, called the Singles Ministry, um, and they, they didn't necessarily like the name of our ministry. <laughs> we, we tried to find a different name for it, but uh, we couldn't really find one that was like, you know, when you just hear it, it was like, oh, I belong there. So we call it the Singles Ministry, and people were always reminded that they were single. Uh, but we tried. But we inherited this ministry, and... Um, and it was awesome. There were some awesome people in it, uh, just really, really great people. And um, one thing uh, right off the bat uh, is whenever we kind of inherited this ministry, there was there were some problems that were going on um, within the ministry and especially within the group. Um, and uh, and people were coming to me and they were saying, hey, you know, this is a bad deal. Uh, we need to get this thing fixed. Um, we, we don't necessarily think it's honoring the Lord. 
you know, all of this stuff. And, and I'll just tell you what it was about. Um, and I'm, and this is no, this is not telling anyone what they should believe or should not believe or have convictions about. Um, this is just a story. I'm just telling a story. Uh, but this specific thing was, um, on drinking, like they would get together, um, and, uh, and these fellowships, they, I mean, they, they love hanging out social environments and things like that, but it always seemed to revolve around alcohol. And, uh, and so there was a girl that came to me who was, who was trying to get her life back on track with the Lord. And, uh, and she was like, you know, uh, Hey, I, 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 I love these people. And as you guys know, ministry doesn't always happen just at a Bible study. Then in fact, the best ministry happens when you're just hanging out with other people and people see how you live. They see, they see, um, how you are. And, and if, if you're the real deal or not, you're able to disciple people more when come up uh, than you are when you're like, hey, let's get together and have a Bible study. People expect you to speak about God at a Bible study, uh, but how do you live your life? That's, those are moments that are always great in ministry. And there's, you know, one of the girls was like, hey, uh, I want to hang out with them. I really feel like that I want to grow in my walk, but I can't hang out with them because every time I do, there's always alcohol involved. And I'm like, okay, well, like, uh, you know, um, what, what's the deal? And the problem was, is that she was a recovering alcoholic. And so that was just a major, major issue. She said, I want to be able to hang out with them. And I've asked them if they could maybe not drink, but they just do anyways. So I can't be around that because I'm afraid that that will be a toxic environment for me. And, uh, and so I understood that. I was like, you know what? Um, I totally understand that. Um, and, and I said, the problem here is it's not the drinking. It's the non-caring about someone else. That's the problem here. And so uh, it was funny because I don't even, it may have been like our first Sunday or our second Sunday. It was, it was right at the beginning, right? It's like, hey, Greg and Tamara, new singles pastors, let's go. You know, and everybody was like, we're going to have an official ministry. This is going to be great. And then our first meeting, we sat there and uh, I was like, well, we need to have a conversation. This was like our first, like, first, like meeting. And uh, I know it was terrible, but uh we started out and I just said, hey, everyone, you know, we're glad to be here. Um, we need to talk about some things. Uh, and so uh, I started to talk to them about um, and kind of confronting them about some things that I saw and, and basically their lack of caring for someone else. And I had this girl share her testimony uh, about how she wanted to, you know, uh, grow closer to Christ and how but alcohol was a thing that, that she couldn't be around. And so I talked to them about, you know, how Paul gave up his liberties just so that he could reach other people. And we talked about these things. And it was a great meeting for some. Uh, it was not a great meeting for others. In fact, there were people in that moment, they decided I'm going to leave the church because of this. Like, I am not okay with somebody confronting me about this. You cannot tell me what I can and can't do. And I can't tell you what you can and can't do. But I can suggest, hey, let's love someone in a certain way. And, uh, and there were people who ended up leaving. And there were people who ended up staying. But I will tell you that the outcome of that was beautiful. Uh, from then on, uh, people were focused on the fellowship revolving around Christ uh, rather than revolving around a drink. And, uh, and, we, and they had some wonderful times. Uh, in fact, that, that ministry is still thriving today, still going today. And, uh, and I keep up with several of them. And, uh, and I just love to hear what God is doing through that. But had I let that continue going, that thing would have destroyed itself from the inside out. And, uh, and it, would not, it would not have been good. Um, but some, so sometimes we have to confront other believers. 
And I don't know if uh, maybe you're experiencing something right now that the Lord might be uh, saying, hey, you need to go and talk to someone. You need to go confront this person, not in a, not in a mean way or, or a lording it over them way, but in a loving, very, very loving way. Uh, maybe, maybe he's calling you to do some, don't just avoid confrontation because you don't like confrontation. Sometimes it's very, very necessary. And so Paul needed to confront these believers. He was saying, Hey, you guys are leaving. You're leaving this faith that I had taught you. Don't, don't leave this because in this is truth. There is no truth in anything else. And so, uh, always remember, always remember confrontation for the sake of protection will bring objection, but it will also bring restoration. It just will. It always will. Um, and so do it for the sake of protection, all right? And then number two, he confronts he uh, the false teachers. Um, in verse eight and nine, he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, Paul is using some very strong language here. Very strong language. And I know that we read it in English and it just sounds like Paul's like, be cursed, right? But let's talk about what this means for just a second. That word accursed right there is the Greek word anathema. And anathema means to devote someone to destruction in eternal hell. That's what Paul is saying to them right there. So basically, it would be like us walking up to someone and saying, they're not teaching the true gospel. They're teaching you a, a heretical gospel, something that is a false gospel. May they burn in hell. That is what he's saying right here. That's not a very nice thing to say. But that means that it's a very serious thing of what's going on. And if you guys know the Greek language, when something's repeated, that means that there's even more emphasis on that. And Paul repeats himself twice about this. He's saying, let them be accursed. Oh, and in case you didn't hear me the first time, let them be accursed. All right. Last week, we talked about contending for the faith, defending and fighting for it and defending what is true. Contending takes confrontation. We talked about the lengths that parents go to in order to protect and contend for their kids. Sometimes it takes confrontation, right? Sometimes it takes confrontation because of the people that you love. Have you ever gotten involved in confrontation to protect someone that you love? Sometimes you do. I know some of you guys, uh, especially who are teachers, right? Um, you have things called parent-teacher conferences. And those things could also be called parent-teacher confrontations, <laughs> right? Because that's what it feels like sometimes. But sometimes you have to have hard, hard conversations with parents because you love the students so much, because you want them to succeed so much. You have these very hard confrontation conversations uh, with people and they're no fun. But sometimes we, in order to protect people, it takes confrontation. Have you ever done that before? Paul is contending for the truth and he's protecting it but he's also contending for people that he considers to be his spiritual kids. That's how he sees the Galatian church. He sees them as his spiritual kids. Hey, I raised these kids. Like I raised these people. I, they were birthed into spiritual life. They were birthed into eternal life uh, by, by me. Yes, it was by the Lord, but he led them to Christ. And now there are people coming in and they're, they're trying to destroy his kids, his spiritual kids. That's not going to happen. 
He's not going to let that happen. He's not going to let them go from freedom back into bondage. And uh, he's not going to allow them to be taught a false gospel. Um, and yes, Paul uses extreme language here, but listen to what Jesus says about the seriousness of leading someone away. This is what Jesus says about it. In Mark chapter 9, verse 42, he says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. That is how serious Jesus takes this, leading someone away from the truth, leading someone away from the true gospel. He's saying, hey, these people, it would be better for them. Those people who are trying to lead someone away from me, it would be better if a millstone was hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. And you're like, what in the world is a millstone? A millstone is this massive concrete stone that has a hole cut out in the middle that they used for grinding the grains, okay? And it was extremely heavy and they would use two of them to grind the grains. And, uh, and so he's saying, look, it would be better to tie a rope through the middle of this thing, tie it around somebody's neck. It would be better for you to have that done and thrown into the ocean than to be caught leading someone astray because your fate is much worse than that. It would be better if that happened. That is some very strong language that Jesus himself is using, but that's the seriousness of it, right? And it's funny because, um, quick side note on millstone, it's a word that's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, whenever I was in college, we started our first band. Pretty hardcore. Uh, and we were like, hey, we're in a band. We need a name for our band. And so our drummer, genius, decided uh, he was going to uh, open up the Bible, just point to a word. Whatever word came out, that was going to be the name of our band. And so he opens the Bible and he points, and apparently he landed on Matthew chapter 7, or wherever this is, and he says, uh, and he's like, Millstone. And we were like, that sounds pretty cool. Let's name our band Millstones. So for a while, we were the Millstones. Then we learned what Millstones were and what that reference was to in the Bible, and we were like, Let's change our name. <laughs> let's, let's, let's be something different. Uh, and so, uh, so we did. Called ourselves Banner Road instead because we were on our way to a gig and that was the sign on the side of the road. It was either that or Way Station Next Right. And uh, we chose Banner Road. Um, but, uh, but that's how serious like leading someone away from the true gospel is to Jesus. Perverting the gospel, teaching a false gospel, distracting from the gospel, teaching a gospel that adds anything to grace, or leads them away is a serious offense to God. And this is why a large portion of the New Testament is written to protect the gospel. That's why a whole large portion of the New Testament is written. We want to protect the gospel. It's dedicated to combating false teaching and teaching the truth. Um, and it's for our protection, right? Uh, and, and even things that distract from the gospel need to be confronted sometimes. I was... Uh, on Facebook, there's this group that I'm a part of. It's like youth pastors. Um, it's a youth pastor group, uh, which I'm still a part of. I haven't been a youth pastor in a very long time, but uh, I'm still in the Facebook group. And uh, so I'll see, see things pop up every now and then. Um, and there was one thing that popped up, and it was somebody that said, I've got this kid in my youth group. Uh, he's an atheist, and he continues to, to uh, just say things in the middle of the message. He continues to uh, ask questions. Um, he continues to uh, kind of confront me about some things about scripture. And he was like, at what point is it okay to, um, to basically kick someone out of the youth group? 
and uh and and you and and base and so then i was like well this ought to be good in the comments <laughs> i'm gonna see some confrontation and uh and so i look in the comments section and of course you know there were people that were like the answer is never what if the only time this kid is ever going to hear the gospel is at your youth group uh, why would you kick him out of the youth group then you had another group of people that were like well it's not it's not okay to do that in school they would kick you out in school if you were being disrespectful like that so why should the rules be different at church we should probably kick them out too right and i was just like wow this is a mess and uh and so, but it, but it was, but it reminded me of when I was a youth pastor, because I had a very, very, very similar experience uh, one day. Um, and, uh, well, not one day, it was for a while. And, uh, and I was, I would be teaching. There was a kid, he was an atheist. Uh, and he thought everything that I was saying was dumb. He thought everything about everything was dumb. And this wasn't a small youth group. This was like a hundred plus kids, like, you know, sitting in this room uh, that I'm talking to. And I would get up and I would prepare a message, much like I do for you guys, and I would deliver this message. And this kid would just always sit in the back. And, uh, and I, would always, I would always see him uh, talking to the people around him. I would always see him laughing. If I would say something, uh, he would laugh, which by the way, makes somebody very self-conscious whenever you're saying something and people out there are laughing. I don't know if you guys realize this, I can see you, like all of you. So I can see when you guys react to things and in a small crowd like this, very much so. so. And whenever you start to nod off, don't fall asleep. That's very discouraging for me. Um, no, but but this kid was always like, and I was just like, man, why is this kid always doing this? And I'll tell you what, it wasn't about the disrespect for me. I, I don't care. Like you can listen or you don't have to listen. I really don't care. You, you don't have to respect me as a person. Doesn't bother me at all. But whenever you're distracting someone else around you from hearing a message that maybe God wants to get to them, that's where the problem is, right? So I brought the kid aside and I just said, hey man, I get it. Like you're not a believer, that's fine. I said, but, but please, if you could just have enough respect for those people around you and enough respect for God, even though you don't believe in God, um, to, to maybe just not talk during the message, uh, that way in case God's working on somebody, um, you're not distracting them from hearing it. And, uh, you know, and so I had to have that confrontational meeting. Uh, and he was like, okay, yeah, 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 all right. And so, uh, you know, the next Wednesday, it would be church again, and I would be speaking, and the same thing would happen. And he would be back there, he'd be distracting people, uh, people would be laughing, they're not listening to what's going on, you know, and everything inside of me was just like, Lord, I know that there's probably something you want to say to these people that he's distracting, but they're not able to hear it because it's being such a distraction. So I'll pull him over to the side again. Hey man, uh, remember last week when we talked, like, uh, you know, this was a different week. And so same thing, like, if you don't mind, like next week when you come back, cool. Next week happened again, pulled him aside. I said, all right, look, if you don't want to be here for that portion, I'm okay that if you come and hang out before. I'm okay that you just leave and don't want to be a part of, you know, the message part. And I'm okay if you want to come back at the end and you want to hang out. Because he's, he was there to hang out. Like he was there, you know, to be social and to hang out with people. Totally cool with me. He was like, okay, yeah, man, I totally understand. All right. I've given him three chances. Fourth, fourth week comes around. He's in there. I'm in the middle of sharing the gospel. Like I'm in the, it's a, towards the end of the message. I'm in the middle of sharing the gospel, like hoping people come to faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, uh, and he's back there just laughing and he's back there saying things. He's distracting all the people. And you guys know kids, like whenever you got somebody around you that it's the cool thing to do is to laugh at the preacher and things like that. It's going to, other kids are going to follow along, especially if you're a leader. Right. And, uh, this kid was very much a leader. And so people were following him along guys. I'm going to be shoot. I'm going to shoot straight with you right now. In front of all 100 plus kids, 
I said, I need to take a time out. I said, so-and-so, I feel like I've respected you. And I feel like you're not being very respectful to everyone around you. I was like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. In front of all these people, the place got dead silent. Everybody got saved. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> er, like the place got total dead silent though, right? And, uh, and, and it, it was just awkward. Like it was that awkward confrontation and it was awkward for him. Um, and, uh, and he was like, you know, he, he got up and, uh, I was like, thank you very much. And it was like, we were in a gym. And so we were on this side of the gym. So he had an entire <laughs> half of a gym to walk out. Uh, and so it made it even worse. Um, and so everybody was just kind of like, it was like, you could hear a pin drop and he just, you could hear him walking. <laughs> and, and so he left and, uh, and it was, it was very interesting. And it was a moment that I always wondered if I did the right thing. Because I always wondered, is it, was it something, and, and here's what, after, you know, um, seeking wise counsel, after, after you know, uh, reading scripture and things like that, the spiritual lives of many were more important than the disrespect for God of that one. And, uh, and although that, that kid, I hope, I, hope I, don't, I don't know if he ever got saved or not. Um, and, and I don't know, uh, you know, what happened in his life, but I do know, um, that, uh, in that moment, maybe the best thing for him was that I know that maybe the best thing for everyone that was in the room was that nobody, nobody did that ever again <laughs> in that moment. Ain't nobody laughing during a message. Um, but, uh, but it was a moment that I said, um, who is this going to please? If I don't say anything who is that going to please? Am I trying to please him? Am I trying to please myself? Or am I trying to please the Lord? And sometimes it takes a harsh word with people. And Paul very much shares a harsh word in this moment. He very much does. And he calls them out. He calls them out um, straight to their faces in this. And it's a very, very awkward thing to read when you understand the language and exactly what he's saying right here. Because he's straight calling this, them out on this. Um, but sometimes hard decisions have to be made in order to protect the message of the gospel. And sometimes harsh words have to be said. Uh, do the, the lives of the false teachers matter? Yeah, absolutely they matter. But the problem is, is that uh, they don't, it, it doesn't matter more than other people. Um, and so you just have to use discernment in that. And then so after Paul says these harsh things, he says this in verse 10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And it's interesting that Paul follows his confrontational words with this statement that we just read. Uh, because he's actually, if you guys can imagine this, Paul is actually being accused by these false teachers, right? First, they said he's not really an apostle. Uh, and, but he's also being accused of being a people pleaser. Whenever you think about Paul, does anybody think people pleaser? I don't, but here's what, here's what the things that they were teaching people. Paul was coming in with a gospel and a message that said, you no longer have to follow the law. You only have to, it's, it's by grace. You just have to put your faith in Jesus. Whenever you do that, that's whenever you're saved. It's not by following a bunch of rules. And so these people that came from a life of following a bunch of rules who were in a, a in a Jewish faith of following these Jewish rules and customs, they were saying, oh, Paul is just a feel good preacher. He's just coming with this word because he wants everybody to like him. 
He wants to gain a whole bunch of followers, uh, you know, as a, as a discipler. And he wants to parade around town saying, look at all these people that follow me. Because that was a real temptation back then, by the way. Your, your status was if people, you know, were following you. You were, you were important, right? And, uh, and so they were calling him a people pleaser, that he's tickling the ears of the people, that he, he's got this easy believism. But Paul is saying for, towards all of those things that they just, you know, were accusing him of, Paul throws in the may they be accursed and all those things and basically is saying, now what do you think about me? Do you think I'm just being a people pleaser? Do you still hold that opinion that I'm just trying to please people? And I love what he says. He's not looking for popularity. He says, if I were a people pleaser, I certainly wouldn't pick being a servant of Christ. I wouldn't pick that at all because it's brought him nothing but mocking and imprisonment and stonings from people. This is all that being a Christian has brought him. But like I said, this was something that people were really tempted with back in the day and how many followers they could get. So they could go, they could go and say, Hey, look at, look at what I have. But back then, and I'm so glad that this went away and that nobody ever struggles with this anymore. But back then you were valued and seen as important based on how many followers you have. Uh oh, <laughs> oh snap, right? Why has this always been a thing? It was a thing back then. It's a thing today. Like it's crazy, right? And, uh, and obviously this still very much applies as a temptation today. Um, man, it's just a lot easier now uh, to do that. And, um, and so, we, you know, we have to confront, sometimes we have to confront other believers. Sometimes we have to confront people who are um, going after other believers to protect them. But then sometimes we have to confront ourselves. And in this moment right now, uh, we confront ourselves for a moment. In this moment, because how concerned and how focused are we today with the approval of man? That we very much struggle with being getting approval from other people. I'm saying just a little bit ago, I talked about that. Where am I seeking really approval from? It's got anything. I'm seeking approval from, right? Um, especially living in a society, value of life, catch this, value of life equals human lives. That's the society that we live in. A lot of people, if you guys are aware, a lot of people, are, their value is contingent on how many people like what they post on social media or how many views they had, right? Um, there are, there, the suicide rates have gone up among people because they didn't get enough likes because they don't have as many TikTok views as somebody else does. And it's such a sad thing and it's just such a sad thing to watch, but we have to know ourselves and we have to know that that is something that we very, very much can struggle with. And one thing that I'm afraid of is that uh, as a Christian society, we have become so accustomed to the instant gratification, especially of social media, that we are no longer concerned with the eternal gratification of the Father. We have to be careful about that, really careful. And I'm not saying that social media is evil, all right? I'm not saying that. I'm not say we're not going to sit here and be like, let's all together burn all of our secular CDs and let's all together delete our Facebook accounts and Instagram accounts and TikTok. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying those things themselves are evil. But, but just like money isn't evil, what is evil? The love of money is evil, right? And the love of social media, the love of the attention, the love of 
the, the, the pleasing of people is something that is evil and something that we really have to be careful of, all right? Um, especially if it takes precedence, precedence over your love for God. Um, random fact, random fact. Did you guys know that in 2018, the average time spent on social media by an adult, that's 18 and above, average time per day spent on social media in 2018 was two hours and 22 minutes. That's average, all right? So that means that there are people who spend way less time, if your name's Tamara, hardly ever gets on the thing. That means that somebody's gotta make up for Tamara, which means somebody is going way above and beyond the two hours and 22 minutes. Uh, and then in 2019, it jumped up, uh, because as you know, people get on social media and as things you know, start to become more popular, uh, it, it jumped up eight minutes, all right? And so it was now two and a half hours. But then in 2020, when the pandemic hit and everybody was stuck indoors, it didn't raise eight minutes, it didn't raise 10 minutes, it didn't raise 15 minutes, it didn't raise 20 or 25 minutes, it raised 30 minutes to three hours a day on average from adults spending time on it. You wanna talk about some, and there are, there's, there's whole other messages we could talk about, you know, addictions and things like that to these things, but we have to understand and we have to um, be real with ourselves and we have to confront ourselves about some things. Do we care more about what other people think than we do what God thinks? Um, we have to be very, very, very careful about that, especially today, because the temptation is usually just within an arm's length of you at all times. Um, so we have to be careful. I remember whenever Eli was younger, he loved to play soccer and he was really good at soccer. Like whenever he was uh, just a little guy. Um, and it was really fun to watch him play. Uh, he, uh, would always like score the goals. If he didn't have the ball, people were like, get the ball to Eli so that he could go and he could score a goal. And, you know, and everybody just loved it. And, and I, and every time he would score a goal, everybody would cheer, you know, and, uh, and, and his coach would, you know, accolades galore. Hey, way to go, Eli. Way to go. Everybody else is like, yeah, way to go, Eli. But the thing is, is that Eli never cared about what anybody else thought ever. He never cared. He would look over and he would only care about what one person thought, and that was his dad, always. He didn't, he didn't hear the coaches, he didn't hear the other people, the only person, whenever he would score a goal, every single time I knew that he was gonna look straight at me next. But also when he messed up, he was gonna look straight at me next, because I was the one that he wanted to please all the time. And guys, there is a huge lesson that we can learn right there. There's a huge lesson that we all can learn. Whenever we do something, what are, who are we seeking approval from? Do we look around at other people and we're saying, hey, did you see what I did? Or do we look, to our, do we look back at our dad and we say, hey, dad, did you see that? Did you see what I did? That's the person that we're called to please. We're always called to please God. And I love that because it reminds me of the disciples, um, you know, in the book of Acts who they were facing being beaten. Uh, they were facing being put in prison. And they would just look and they would just say, who am I? And they would say, you need, you need to stop speaking in the name of Jesus. And they would always say, who am I to obey? You or God? Because that's the one that they wanted, they wanted approval from. That's, that's who Paul is seeking approval from. And when in, this, in this message, whenever he's speaking to these people, he's not seeking approval from the Galatians. He's not seeking approval from the false teachers. He's, a, he's seeking approval from one person only, and that's God. And it's the same thing that we're called to do. And sometimes it takes confrontation to do that. Um, I'm not telling you to go out and get into a fight. <laughs> I'm not telling you if you don't like confrontation to you need to work on your confrontation, so go get in some confrontations. Um, I, you know, 
but I, but I will say if you love confrontation, chill out. Like I will say that. Um, but, uh, but sometimes it's what we're called to do. And, and we always need to ask, who am I trying to please? Am I trying to please God? Or am I trying to please somebody else? Um, just something because, because guys, again, the thing that's at stake is, is the most important thing in the world. And that's the gospel, the most important thing in the world. And if there's something worth being confrontational about, that's it. And it's the betterment of, of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and so be that if you have to guys, uh, Christianity and confrontation go hand in hand. The Bible tells us very specifically, uh, that, uh, and Jesus says, uh, if they hated me, they're going to hate you as well. And it's not because of, um, you know, he commissions the disciples and he's like, Hey, I want you to go. I want you to tell people that the kingdom of God is at hand. I want you to heal people. I want you to uh, raise people from the dead. I want you to cast demons out. I want you to do all these things. Right. But then he says, but don't be surprised whenever they hate you. In fact, whenever they do hate you, just shake the dust off. Whenever you're imprisoned, just know that I'm going to give you the strength. And it's like, wait a minute, imprisoned for what? Like you're healing people. Like you're going around, you're doing all these things. You're doing all these really nice things. What do you mean? Like what, where's the confrontation? Like why are people going to hate people for doing that? Right? Like it would be like us going and feeding the homeless and, and doing all of these boxes of food and giving out all this stuff and helping our community get back to where it needs to be, dis you know, discovering in light of COVID, what, what has happened in our community? Where are the needs? And then reaching those needs, who's going to hate someone for that? No one's going to hate anybody for that. The thing that they're going to hate you for is the message that you bring. And the message that he told them to bring was the kingdom of God is at hand. He never separated the two. There was always a message with the work. And, uh, and people love the work, and they don't necessarily like the message so much. And so if you're, looking for, if you're looking to be a Christian who avoids confrontation at all times, it won't work. It won't work. You're going to uh, compromise somewhere. Um, and so it's just a part of life. So uh, take this as just something that, hey, we need to be emboldened by um, and just know that it's coming. Um, and, uh, and, and, but do it. Paul didn't necessarily use gentleness and respect in this instance, um, which is the majority of what he usually does uh, and what we need to do as well. But sometimes, sometimes it takes a harsh word. Um, I would pray about it before you give that harsh word, <laughs> but uh, sometimes, sometimes that's necessary. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.